Well, good morning, folks. Good morning. I'm just going to pop this off so I can move around. There we go. So great to be here with you. Great to be welcomed by a number of you personally. You spoke to us beforehand. And I, I just met with Graham just, what, was just a few weeks ago, really. Um, had, a, had a nice cup of tea and a long sausage next door. And then we came in here and had a, a chat and a pray together. And uh, it was really quite a, an amazing time. And I shared with Graham afterwards, I said we message and on the way home, we were talking about just preparing for the harvest, equipping God's people for the harvest, the workers for the harvest. And as I'm, as I'm driving back down the M73, a car is in front of me and its registration plate is LK, which I would have shortened for Luke, LK10TWO, Luke 10 verse two, which we'll look at in a few moments. And if you don't know the verse, it says, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the, the workers are few. So pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into his harvest fields. God is up to something in these days. He's up to something here in Scotland. Don't, don't judge by what you see with your eyes in the natural, but begin to see in the spirit. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit about who we are, and then Helen's going to come and share something with you. Sorry, I'm, I'm moving around because I'm going to really spoil your video. <laughs> I do that a lot. I, I started preaching at church in, in, over in Ireland one time, and I was about, it was the first time I preached there. And uh, I was about two minutes into my message, and the pastor comes down and stops me. I'm thinking, he doesn't like what I'm saying. <laughs> he's going he's to put me out. It's going to be a really short time. But it's because I was moving about too much to get his video camera set. So I'll try and keep reasonably still. <laughs> So we're so somebody's birthday today. Well, it's how I think our weekend anniversary today because we actually met on the first of May, 41 years ago. Don't say that one too loud. Um, we met on the first of May. We actually met, we met up the dancing in Sagal Street. But God has changed our lives somewhat since then. In fact, he changed our lives very rapidly. And, and within nine months, um, I'd come back to the Lord. I'd been quite a, a backslidden state. I came back to the Lord. Helen became a Christian, got baptized. We got married and God began to stir in me a call to preach, which was most unexpected. And uh, it really just turned our, our lives around. Um, I responded to that call. I went and trained at the Baptist College and part of a Baptist church. And over that next few years, God, He really took us through fire and through water. He took us through many real trials. Um, but God carries you through things. And I was um, called as pastor to church in, in Casanoke, um, posh area over on the south side of Glasgow. <laughs> and we had a wonderful 14 years uh, in, in there in Somerset sometimes, but just a, a great place to be and a, a great apprenticeship in the Lord. And uh, and then God really called us in 1999 to step out in faith. He spoke really to both of us and said, I want you to step out of the boat and, and don't worry, you, you won't drown. And uh, God led us into leading a prayer ministry first for seven years and then leading a ministry called Healing Rooms across Scotland and Ireland for 10 years. And as he called us to step out and, and leave the church and, and the salary of the church man's, God clearly instructed me not to ask anyone for anything. Don't ask for any money. Just trust me. And, and, and we did just a, a most amazing 17 years where, where God just met every need again and again and again. Every bill we had, the, the corresponding check or a gift came in just to cover it. And Always just had enough. Always just had enough. Not a penny of debt throughout that time. God is God is good and God is faithful. When God calls us to something, and you know, when God calls you, He doesn't call you to do what you can do. He calls you to do what you can't do. 
He calls you beyond yourself, beyond your own resources. But he is a God who is able for everything. And he is faithful. And, and he is good. And, and so we, we um, had 10 wonderful years of healing rooms all across Scotland, Ireland. We went into countries in Eastern Europe quite a bit at that time as well. We, we went many times into Ukraine. And it's, it's just horribly phenomenal just what has happened there. When I think at times we sat in you know, beautiful parts of Kiev and other parts of that nation. And uh, just you know, peaceful and, and just wonderful people. And to think how something can be transformed in such a terrible way. But the truth is God can transform things in a wonderful way as well. Just as quickly. And we're going to think just a bit this morning about his wonderful transforming work that he does in the human heart and in, in human lives. Um, uh, in the last few years, we, we had a time where we, we moved around. I think we moved four times in five years, which I, I don't recommend that. But you become very good at packing. Um, and we went down to England for a short time, passed in the church down in Bedfordshire, and then came back to Glasgow. Uh, God really spoke to me very clearly, and, and uh, very clearly one night, and told me to return to the land of my birth. Uh, just brought to mind a verse in scripture that I didn't, didn't know offhand, but he gave me the reference very clearly. And then God says to Jacob, arise now and return to the land of your birth. And so we knew very clearly we were able to go back to Scotland. And God is not done in Scotland. We're here for a purpose. We're here because God is doing something new. He's making a way in the wilderness. He's pouring out rivers in the desert of our, of our land. He's doing it here in Moodysburg. In, in the wilderness of many people's lives and hearts, God is preparing a way. And he's beginning to pour out rivers into the desert. Um, currently, we, we work with Glasgow City Church, as was mentioned. It's part of the Apostolic Church stream. And so we're, we're based in Glasgow. We're there kind of once a month travel about a lot of places, we oversee several churches and also some other church plants are outside of Apostolic Church. We don't stay in one street, we put feet in many different streams because God is working in many different places and many different ways. And I'm believing for a, for a harvest. I know God told me to pray some years ago. He told me to pray for a million souls to be saved in Scotland. That's a lot of people, isn't it? That's 25% or near enough, 20% or near enough of the population of this nation. But nothing is beyond God. A few weeks after I felt the Lord tell me to begin to ask him for a million souls in Scotland, um, I was given a, a wooden stake. Uh, a group of intercessors had come from Uganda to pray in Scotland. And a good friend of ours, Gene Black, who at the time was leading up Pray for Scotland ministry. One you may know Gene, wonderful, wonderful um, person. And uh, these, these intercessors had felt God tell them to pray for a million souls to be saved in Scotland. And they made this wooden stake and wrote about one million souls to be saved. And Jean knew, you know, what God had put in my heart. And she gave me that stake. I have it in my study. Keep it there every day. Just reminding me to continue to cry out to God. To cry out to him for what seems impossible to us is possible to God. And if God's going to bring such a harvest in our land, then as Jesus said, we need workers for the harvest. And real heart of what hell and I do um, is to equip God's people. To equip them for harvest. To, to train and to equip, but also to bring the necessary healing that's often needed in our hearts to ready us to be those who can go out and, and, and just, as it says on the, the, the slide, to represent, to, to represent Jesus into our, our society, into our community, into the lives of, of other people. I'm going to get ahead of myself into preaching. That's a little bit of, of who we are. Uh, we were praying just last night, just pray for you guys. Helps me to come, just show what she says to the Lord. Uh, sure. As we were praying. Yeah, before I share that, I've been 
very much thinking this morning through the worship of Abraham, who's fully persuaded by you. Let that sink into your heart. Because the other day there, I was playing football with our five-year-old grandson. And he says to me, Grant, you really are not good at football. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Part of me was letting him win. A lot of it I was missing the goal, but part of it was letting him win. But then he said, do you know why you're not a good footballer, Grant? It's like, no, Ben, why am I not a good footballer? He says, because you don't believe in yourself. You don't believe you're a good footballer. So he goes, so, focus. He says, and then I'm going to teach you how to do it. It's like, focus, stop talking, focus. He says, now put your foot under the middle of the ball and kick it. And of course, it was straight in the goal. And I said, see, he says, you don't believe you're a good footballer. He says, I score all the time because I believe I'm a good footballer. And I says, oh, I says, that means you're fully persuaded then, thinking you won't understand that. I said, you know what that means? He says, yes, I totally believe it. I'd have no doubts. And I thought, well, you know, when we were in Bakersfield in England, I woke up and I heard Abraham was fully persuaded of you. And this morning I'd ask you, what are you fully persuaded in? Because I am fully persuaded that God is good, that he is faithful, that I am a child of God, that the Father loves me and I love him, and I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. We can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. We can take this nation for God if we believe in who we are and the kingdom authority and the kingdom power that is within us. He says, I give you all power and authority. What are you fully persuaded in? Maybe some of you will always want to be a good footballer, but it's more about that. It's about the kingdom of God. We're here as believers in Christ Jesus. And it was spelled out the name Jesus, the wonderful name. It's what we're persuaded in. Who do we see the Father as? Who do we see Jesus as? And who do we see the Holy Spirit as? Who are they? They are one. And the Father's love and the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes our lives. I was brought up in a, an area around here, the worst area house in state in, in Glasgow at that time was Black Hill. And I was brought up there and I was brought up thinking I couldn't do anything. But you know, when I met Jesus and the power of God comes into your life and you know that you're loved by the Father and that he is good and that he's faithful, you're fully persuaded into everything that you know what to do and that you can take the world by force. We need saints to rise up in this nation and declare the goodness and the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Anyway, yesterday I had a picture for you while we were praying. And in the picture you were coming out of the desert. And I saw you all as you were going through the desert. And it was like they heard us, look, listen, watch. And as you all heard that voice from heaven come, you looked up and it's like every one of you were like in amazement of what was dropping down from the sky. And you took your laps, things in your lap, and you lifted it up to receive what was coming to receive the blessing that was coming, to receive the gifts that was coming. God wants to drop things into your lap today. He wants to bless you with the gifts of his Holy Spirit, with the things that you need in natural resources and in spiritual resources. He's saying he wants your attention and open your eyes up and look 
when the apostles teaching they were amazed at their teaching they were amazed at the signs and wonders that followed by their preaching and as i saw you go through that desert and into the promised land it looked up and you were amazed so I pray, Father, right now that these your children, these your children here, Lord, would receive this morning everything from your heart, everything that you have, Lord, that you want to pour into their lives, Lord, everything, Lord, that you want to give them. You want to give them power and authority, Lord, but you want to give them many gifts. And some of them have gifts, Lord, that have been sitting just sitting and sitting and sitting and the Lord's just stirring them up and he's saying he's going to release them right now and others, it's just new gifts. Receive this morning. Receive this morning from the Father. Receive them this morning from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, we thank you and we praise your name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's turn to God's word now. If you think your Bible, um, Luke chapter 3, we're going to move through a, a few verses, take a little bit of a theme, and I'm going to come back and to, to focus on those first two verses that I'm going to read in a moment. Uh, and just a little bit of a journey that the Lord would take us on. So Luke chapter 3, you're going to read verse 21 and 22, and then move into chapter 4, and then finally those two verses again that I mentioned earlier from chapter 10. So Luke 3, 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Passage gives this long genealogy um, of, of Jesus, but we move into chapter four, which is immediately what happens really after his baptism. Uh, verse one, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. That being led by the Spirit, the word really means he was driven by the Spirit. It's like the Spirit thrusted into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And, and you'll be many of you be familiar with the temptations that Jesus goes through and overcomes. Move on to verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. He begins to teach in the synagogues and he goes to, to Nazareth to where he was brought up. And when he goes into the synagogue, he takes the scroll from Isaiah and reads these words, quoted from Isaiah 61, verse 18 and 19 of Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus then engages in a ministry of both revealing the kingdom of God through signs and wonders, healing and setting people free from demonic powers. He preaches the good news of the kingdom. He teaches in the synagogue. And he also raises up his followers, the 12 men that he chose. He particularly focuses in on Peter, James, and John, who is a, he takes into certain places he doesn't take the others. But he also has a wider group 
and he's, he's training and, and raising them up to release them to carry on his ministry. And there's another group of 72. We don't know their names. They're, they're not famous people. And it says this in Luke 10, verse 1 and 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, earnestly, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. He doesn't tell them just to pray, because he also then says, to them, you go, you go your way. And he sends them out to, to, to go, to travel light, take nothing with you. Enter whatever house opens its door to you, where you find a man of peace, where you find somebody that receives you, go in and stay with them. And it very simply says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Representing Jesus today, that, that's what he calls us to do. To represent him, and that means to present him again, to re-present him to people today. Every human being needs to have an encounter with Jesus. Every human being needs an encounter with Jesus. No matter what else they need, they need an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one who describes of himself, the spirit of the Lord is on him. To proclaim the, the good news, the good news to the poor. The poor doesn't just mean the financially poor, it means those who have been up against it in life. Those who have been afflicted and, and who are downtrodden. To set free the captives, to bring liberty, to bring restoring of sight, to announce the year of the Lord's favor. You know, we live in the day of God's favor. We live in a time of his favor, a time of opportunity, a time of possibility, a time of openness. And we need to make the most of the opportunity. So often we listen to the, the, the doom and gloom of this world. Our, our, our media outlets, our news agencies, you know, specialize. They thrive upon bad news. They thrive upon news that creates fear into the hearts of people. But they're giving just one side of things. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Who knows that's true? In this world, you have trouble. We don't deny that. But he says, but I have overcome the world. We're not immune from troubles, but we live in and follow the one who has overcome and is not subject to the forces of this world. And we need to live in him. Jesus came to set captive free, came to restore the sight of the blind. He came to bring that good news. Some, some time ago, we um, had a young woman brought to us. Some people and some Christians had contacted her and, and they brought us to us to, to pray for this young woman. She wasn't yet a Christian. And she was suffering from a, a dreadful eating disorder. She was very troubled. She was very, very thin, very unwell. And we began to, to pray for her and, and she began to have an encounter with Jesus. Whatever everybody needs, she began to have an encounter with Jesus. The Lord began to move in her heart as we ministered to her. Uh, he, he, he began to uncover the, the very root cause of her condition. You see, so many times we see the outward condition in a person's life, but we need to understand that often something has happened beneath that. And, and as the Lord began to reveal his grace and his love to her and, and, and enable her to receive forgiveness, but also to release forgiveness to those who deeply wounded her in life. So that transformational process began to happen. 
And as that healing began to, to happen in her, she then opened her heart to Jesus. She received Jesus as Lord and Savior of her life. And, uh, you know, we just spoke and prophesied over her, and she went off with these folks uh, quite happy. God had done something wonderful. And I, I was then preaching, speaking one evening in a church, the church that the folks who had brought her along went to. And I went into this church not, not thinking about her or anything. And this, this woman comes up to me and says, hi, Stephen, it's great to see you again. And I'm looking at her and think, I don't think I recognize you. Now, as I get older, that happens to me quite a lot. I go play to the folks and say, oh, hi, Stephen. I'm like, oh, hell, who's that? And uh, anyway, I'm looking at this, this woman and I'm thinking, I don't think I know her. And she clearly sees I'm looking like I have no idea who you are. And she says, it's me. And she explains, it's the same woman, but she is so changed. It's not my forgetfulness. She is unrecognizable because, you know, she's, she's now looking healthy. She's looking well. She looks like a totally different person. She says, you know, I've been baptized and I'm, I'm going on great in the Lord. And, and it's just so awesome to see that transformation of what Jesus does in a life. Nobody is beyond his reach. There's, there's no one here in Munisburg who's beyond the reach of Jesus to come and take hold of and to transform their life. But, you know, we've got to believe it. You've got to be fully persuaded. You've got to get like my grandson and get it into your, you know, get focused, get believing, get it into your head. Because if we don't believe, we're not going to do anything. And God is saying the harvest, Jesus is saying the harvest is plentiful. Don't, don't disagree with Jesus. It's not a good place to go. Get your thinking in line with Jesus' thinking. Get your words in line with his words. You know, when, when we minister in Castleville, you know, folk would say to me oftentimes, well, it must be really hard there. It must be a really hard place. Not absolute nonsense. Yeah, we have some things to put up with. My car gets stolen at least twice and we got a church building set on fire. But those were minor things. We had great openness. I used to walk down the street and folk from a church would meet me and say, oh, this is my neighbor. He's having a hard time. Would you just pray for them? And I'd stand and pray with folk out in the streets. And it, it, there was wonderful openness. And we need to align our thinking with God's thinking and our words with his words. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. That means all around us here, there is ripening fruit all around us. And we need to be ready as the workers going into the harvest field. Now, we don't want to be workers who are going in a slavish manner. We don't want to be workers who are going because we're, you know, we're guilt-driven. We want to go as sons and daughters, working for our Heavenly Father. And that's why we go back to, to chapter 3 and verses 21, 22, at Jesus' baptism. At Jesus' baptism. And, and several things happen at Jesus' baptism. Number one, as he is praying, the heavens are opened. And there's nowhere again, it says in the New Testament, they closed up again. So there's an openness in the heavens. God has broken something open from his heavenly realm that we bring forth onto the earthly realm. That's what we pray. You've got the prayer right up there in your window. I saw this as soon as we part. And what did Jesus teach us to pray? Father in heaven, may your name be honored, hallowed. Let your kingdom come. What does that mean? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it means. It's the will of God to save and to heal and to redeem and to set people free. Let that come on earth as it is in heaven. I remember as, as a wee boy in church, we used to kind of mutter our way through that prayer every Sunday. I'm thinking this, your kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I have no idea what all that means. 
And then when God began to reveal and show me what his kingdom was, the kingdom of God that Jesus speaks about again and again and again, I began to see he's actually wanting us to cry out, your kingdom come, put forth onto the earth, let your will be done here. Let your will be done, Lord, here in Moody'sburg, as it is in heaven, calling forth the things of heaven on the earth. Heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in bodily form. And the voice of the Father speaks from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. You see, they're not fighting me. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> we'll carry on. Jesus and his baptism, and we come into a baptism into Christ. When we're baptized, we're baptized into Jesus. Let me read from Galatians chapter 3. Turn there if you want to. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. For in Christ Jesus, it says you are all sons of God. When the Bible says you're sons of God, it includes you ladies in that. You ladies are included into sonship, just like us guys are included into the bride. So you're all sons of God through faith. For as many of us, you as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So we're baptized into Christ Jesus. And therefore, we are baptized into his relationship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into what is his. When we are baptized into Jesus, we identify with him. We die to our old life and we rise up to a new life in Christ. And therefore we receive a new identity in him, an identity of sonship. And he makes available to us this inheritance. He makes available to us what he has. He says, but it's good that I go because when I go, the Father, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he says, I go, you know, to prepare a place. I go and make the way. He's the way, the truth, the life, that we would come to the Father through him. He reveals the Father to him. He prays to the Father at the end of John 17 that the love the Father has for him, for Jesus, would be in us. You know, you, you really need to go away and ponder that one for about a week. Ponder the love that the Father has for Jesus. What do you think that's like? What's the Father's love for Jesus like? It must be amazing overwhelming, so beyond anything we can actually think or imagine. It needs to, reveal, to be revealed to us by the Spirit. And Jesus is saying that that same love, he prays that that same love the Father has for him would be in us, in you and in me. Isn't that incredible? And so as we come into this relationship with Jesus, he brings us into his relationship with the Father. We begin to relate to the Father as Jesus relates to him. He brings us into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, where we begin to relate to the Holy Spirit like Jesus did, who was led by the Spirit and who did mighty works through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives that to us. The Father's voice speaks to us. The Father's voice. Let's see if we can hear it again. We've got it this time. The Father's voice. His affirmation. His affection. His approval. His delight in you. You know, we're, we're called into a relationship of delight, where we delight in the Lord and find that he delights in us. 
Now, some of you might protest to that inside because you think, I'm not really very delightful. <laughs> maybe you've grown up thinking nobody likes me much. And maybe some, some of you maybe grown up not loving yourself very much. But the good news in Jesus is that he brings us into this relationship. And in him, we find the Father actually delights in us as his children. He delights in you. He speaks those same words over you. He says, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter, with whom I am well pleased. And we need to hear those words. We need to hear them with the, the, the revelation of the Holy Spirit upon them. Because in the natural, those words can just fall off us. Those words can hit against blockages. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the pleasure of the Father with us as his sons and daughters. You need to hear deep in your spirit that he says to you, you are my beloved son. <clears throat> Not just any son, but a beloved. Hear the affection of the Father for you. You are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, with whom I am well pleased. How can God be pleased with us? You think of all the things you've done wrong. You think of all the things you've thought wrong that nobody's ever known about. You think of all the things and all the words you've said that you should never have said. But the wonder of his grace upon grace upon grace, the wonder of his forgiveness, his redemption, that just keeps on reaching and going, is that he makes you clean before the Father. And the Father says he is well pleased with you. Just as his child. Just for being alive in Jesus. And the Father's affirmation of us, that says there on the screen, frees us from the need for people's approval and frees us from the fear of their disapproval. You know, so many folk live their life just trying to, trying to please people, trying to live up to other people's expectations. We struggle and we, we strive and we feel bad about ourselves because we never feel we quite get there. And, and, and Jesus just pulls all that away from us and just says, receive and see yourself accepted, approved of. You've nothing to hide. You know, he found us out anyway, didn't he? We've been found out and he's forgiven us. We've nothing to hide, nothing to prove. We've not some standard we've got to reach up to. Jesus, Jesus took the exam for us and he got 100%. He's your sufficiency, and he, therefore, qualifies you. He's your sufficiency. You don't need to prove anything. He's done it all for you. You've nothing to hide. You've nothing to prove. And ultimately, you've nothing to fear. The Bible says fear is to do with punishment. But the love of God drives out all fear. The basis of fear is to be separated from God, the source of our life. Paul says in Romans 8, nothing, nothing, in all creation, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We can live from a new foundation, a new foundation in his love, his affirmation, his affection, the identity he gives to us. Let me encourage you to, to, take, to take that verse and allow it to speak, allow God to speak over you. Do that this week. Do that every day this week. I'll let God just speak over you. 
Allow him, the Father, to speak to you and say, you are his beloved, his beloved daughter, his beloved son. With you, he is well pleased. I see the difference as you begin to live life from that basis rather than soften how we have lived it. But then something happens. There's a wee turn of events here. Jesus has this wonderful experience. The Spirit comes upon him. John the Baptist, when I was a witness in this, the Spirit comes upon him in this amazing way and remains upon him. That's never happened before. And, and a voice speaks from heaven. And that doesn't happen too often either, does it? A voice speaks from heaven, but others hear, this is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returns from the Jordan. But immediately he's led into the wilderness. Immediately he's taken into a place of testing. And it so often happens when God moves in our lives and we see a real breakthrough of God into our life that it's tested. It's put to the test. You know, I mentioned a little bit of our story and I'm not going to the details of it, but you know, almost immediately I, I accepted and responded to the call of God in my life to preach. Boom. One thing after another came whack, just whack into our lives. Tragedies and, 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 and difficulties and, and, and so on. And it's not that God enjoys testing it and brings these things into your life. And it's not that the enemy has the power to come and rule in your life in these ways. But God allows often certain things to come that, that, that bring us to a point of testing so that we can enter into a greater depth of strength and trust in the Lord. And so Jesus immediately taken into the wilderness. And as he overcomes the temptation, he'll come forth in the power of the Spirit. We'll get there in a moment. But first, the wilderness testing. Testing in the wilderness. What happens in a wilderness? What happens in a desert? A couple of things that happen are there's a disorientation that comes upon us. If you're in a desert place, there's, there's no signposts. There's no landmarks. All you see is sand in every direction. Which way south? Which way north? Well, you might get that by the sun, but when the sun goes down, you lose even that. You lose all sense of bearing. <clears throat> God will sometimes allow us to go into a place of wilderness where we become disorientated. We lose sense of direction, but he does that so that he can reorientate us into his direction. The other thing that happens in the wilderness is we can feel a real sense of vulnerability. Our world has, has creaked under a sense of vulnerability in the last two or three years. We, we, you know, so many people in the Western world have felt, you know, we've got a, a sense of invincibility about ourselves. Uh, we've got wealth and we get technology and we've got all these kind of things. And then a simple virus comes and wreaks absolute havoc upon health and upon wealth and upon our, our whole way of life. And we feel a vulnerability. And when God allows us to go into the, the wilderness place, the desert place, there's a sense of vulnerability in exposing us because we are all vulnerable people. But in the vulnerability, God wants to take us into a place of deeper trust in him. Because ultimately, that's what the Father is after. The Father is after children who will trust him, who will trust him no matter what. We won't just trust him when things are going well, we can just trust him no matter what. And often God prepares us in the wilderness. 
John the Baptist was a voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And God then makes a way in the wilderness, pours out his rivers in the desert place. And so Jesus comes out, he comes through. Notice when Jesus goes into the wilderness in verse 1, it says that he's full of the Holy Spirit. When he comes out, it says he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a, a deliberate writing of a difference that happened. Jesus moved from being filled with the Spirit to being in the power of the Spirit. And in our lives, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but not moving in his power. And for too long, I think that the church that's known something of the Spirit has, has enjoyed, even moved in something of the, the filling of the Spirit, but we've not always released the power of the Spirit. And that's what it's about. The Holy Spirit doesn't come just so we have a good time in church. He comes so that we release power into our communities in the name of Jesus. The signs and wonders are done among the people. It says of Stephen in Acts 6-8 that he was full of grace and power and did many signs and wonders among the people. Not hidden away, not hidden away in a church meeting, but among the people. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to begin to release it. He wants to give us such confidence in who we are in him. He wants us to so know the voice of the, the Father speaking his affirmation and his approval over us that gives us that confidence in him to go out, nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to fear, and just release the power of the Holy Spirit all around us. <clears throat> Simply, naturally, and yet supernaturally. Just ask the Lord, you know, what, what little stories does, does he want me to share with you this morning? One came to mind of a, a lady I prayed with in, in Edinburgh one night. I, I was just doing the usual when you speak at a, a meeting, you're sharing and just pray with a number of folk afterwards. And, and, and this, this lady, small lady, had come, come forward. I didn't really notice an awful lot about her. I just blessed her, prayed for her. And as I laid my hand on her, she, she fell over under the power of the Spirit, as, as sometimes people do. And there was nothing more to it. And I get in the car and I was just about to drive away, but I felt like the Lord just whispered something in my, my, into my heart. And I felt he said, I've done something very significant there tonight. I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Didn't think an awful lot more about it. And a couple of days later, I got an email from the pastor of that church, and it was about this lady. And, and this lady had a, she, she had a built-up shoe because her body was out of alignment, and one of her legs was significantly about three inches shorter than the other leg. And so she, all her life, she'd had this very big built-up shoe that, that she walked with. And as she lay on the floor that night, the Holy Spirit just realigned her body. And, and her two legs were exactly the same length now. And she just put on a pair of normal shoes. But the best part of the email message was this. It said, and her work colleagues in Tesco are amazed at what has happened to her. And that's what God wants to do. He doesn't want to just do things in among us as church that hides in here. He wants the work colleagues in Tesco to be amazed. He wants the work colleagues where you work. He wants the neighbors where you live. He wants people to be amazed in a way where they're, they're thrown from their unbelieving position into a place to see what Jesus can do. I spoke at a big church in East End in Glasgow once and just was encouraging him and healing him. There was a lady in the church who's about 70 years of age and uh, she'd just recently become a Christian and baptized, but she, she'd wear and tear and, and both of her hips very significant. She had to walk with two sticks. She'd been to the hospital and they'd done the x-rays that, that clearly showed the very worn uh, hips, both sides, 
and she was waiting for a, a double hip replacement operation. And you know, that can be quite a wait. And um, anyway, this, this, the, the pastor of that church and his wife just, um, you know, talking about healing, they said, well, let's just do it. And, and they laid hands on this, this woman and uh, just prayed in the name of Jesus for her healing. And she felt a, a kind of warmth, a heat go through her hips. And this heat just continued there for about two or three days. And, and then she began to realize that she felt quite different. And then she began to realize she actually didn't need the sticks to walk anymore. And she could walk absolutely fine. And, and then she went back to hospital. And they x-rayed her hips again and said, we can't believe this, but there is absolutely no sign of any wear and tear on either of your hips. And canceled the operation. And I heard a story, we did a city celebration one Sunday night with about 700 folks there. And I said, would you get up and tell your story? And she was really, really nervous, but bless her, she wrote it all out and she got there shaking like a leaf. And, and she told her a story. And I love it just when we, just the ordinary ladies go up and, and share their story. And the best bit of the story again was this, it was a bit at the end, you see, she said all that about what God had done and the x-rays and all the rest. And then she says, I'm going to go down to the shops or down to the post office and I meet all the folk that I know. And they say, oh, oh Jeannie, where's your sticks? She says, no, I just tell them all about what Jesus has done for me. Because people need to know. And we need to see a fresh outbreak of the power of the Holy Spirit. Of what the Bible calls signs and wonders. It doesn't call them that for no reason. What does a sign do? Point you somewhere, doesn't it? The signs point to Jesus. What, a, what does a wonder do? Oh, it just makes you wonder. I mean to stir up some wonder in people. So like in the day of Pentecost, when the people wondered, could they hear them all speak in their language? They said, what does this mean? And then afterwards they said, what did we, what must we do? And in a, in a, in a society that's largely ignoring the church, we need to release the signs and wonders among the people that would stir a reaction. It was still an amazement because people need to know. And here's the thing, folks. It's for all of us to do. We're all representatives of Jesus. Whether you, whether you think you, you can do it or not, whether you think you're up to this or not, it's him that makes you up to it. To just simply carry the Father's love in your heart and the power of his spirit and go just represent Jesus to somebody this week. Because they need to know. And God is with you. He's for you. And he won't let you down. I can, I can tell you stories all day. Of, of, of what we've seen the Lord do. And he just wants to do it again and again. But you know he doesn't want to do it through hell and I. He does want to do it through hell and I. But he wants to do it through all of us. All of us. And I believe there's some of you. We're just going to release one or two prophetic words in a moment. And pray for one or two people as the Lord needs. But I believe some of you, you know, you're, you're carrying something from the Lord. You're carrying a word or a promise that you had that you haven't seen fulfilled. You've had maybe something spoken over you. You felt God stir something in your heart maybe, maybe years ago. And, and you've never really seen it come to fulfillment. And I believe the Lord wants to bring that forth today. There's things inside all of us that he wants to activate and release. So often we get something over here, a message, and it just sits within us and it doesn't go anywhere. We need it activated. So it leads into action. And we need it released because what God gives us, He gives us so that it flows. The harvest is plentiful. 
There's people out there that are maybe not expressing it, but deep in their hearts, they're desperate to know the love of a father who would say, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter. With you, I'm well pleased. There's people out there, millions of people, who are desperate for an encounter with Jesus. We're the ones who can bring a little introduction of that to them in simple and yet very powerful ways. Yeah, just going to pray and then we're just going to maybe the Lord will lead us just to prophesy on one or two folks this morning. Father, I just, I just thank you for each one here. Thank you for each precious son and daughter of yours. I pray for, for each one that everything in their ears would be unstopped today, that they might hear the Father's voice saying, you are my beloved. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. You fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. That just the simple but powerful signs and wonders of the kingdom of God would break forth from our lives to those people we go among this week. In Jesus' name.